Well, I'm hoping I got got me a, a little clicker, so I'm actually I'm actually kind of hoping that uh, it works. And if not, Rex is going to have to try and keep up with me again. But I think he did a good job last week. So uh, you guys all could just get to sit there and 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 watch. He's sitting there. He has to like make sure he goes at the right time. Otherwise, I'm going to make fun of him. It's it's a high pressure situation he's under. So uh, so let's let's hope that this works. And if it doesn't. Say a prayer for him. But we're, in a, in a, we're continuing on in our sermon series called Portraits of Jesus. Uh, the, the section of passage that was read for us just a little bit earlier is where we're going to be today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, keep them open there to Mark chapter 4 uh, in verse 35. Uh, and what we're going to look at is just some of the elements of the nature and character of Jesus that maybe we've, we've read before in Scripture, we've seen before in Scripture, but uh, we sort of just gloss over it because it's one of the things that we always read in Scripture. You know, this is Jesus calming the storm. Uh, and so we're going to look today about Jesus and his sleeping habits. Uh, and so this is what God's Word says to us uh, in verse 35. So this is four, Mark 4, verse 35. Uh, On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him uh, with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. Uh, Something to note about Jesus is that Jesus is always sort of moving forward. When you look at the Gospel of Mark... uh, it, more than any of the other Gospels, there's an urgency to the ministry of Jesus. Uh, Mark uses the term immediately, uh, straight away, uh, those sorts of terminology, really depending on how your, your Bible sort of interprets the, the, uh, the Greek word. But immediately, Jesus is doing stuff. He's always moving forward. There's always a, uh, a motivation in his ministry. There is always a... a, a driving force that Jesus needs to get to the next spot where God needs him to be. Uh, And in following the will of God, there needs to be, I believe, an urgency in the way that we uh, respond to things and the way that we do things. I don't think God calls us to ministry that he wants us to start in five years. You know, I'm going to call you to this but don't start it for five years, and then we'll talk in five years. That, that's not really the way that God calls us to a ministry. When God calls us to a ministry, there is usually an immediate need there. There is something that needs to be addressed. There is something that is going wrong in the world, and God wants us as his children and ambassadors on this earth to step into that gap and to fix, usually, immediately. He doesn't want us to uh, to hold a, a giant council and then wait for six months just to decide on what we're going to call ourselves. Uh, The name is very important. You've got to get the name. It has to be hashtagable. That's a word now, in case you're wondering. Hashtagable, it means to be able to put a hashtag in front of it and for it to be catchy. Uh, You know, he doesn't want us to then wait six months to do this and then to do that. And he wants us to move forward. And so what we see here in this scripture is that Jesus is continuing to move forward. What we've seen is that uh, Jesus has spent this entire day preaching to crowds. He had just done uh, many of the parables that you all probably know, the parable of the sower, the parable of the farmland. It's a, a great section of scripture. And then Jesus has to get into this boat and cross to the other side. Jesus is always moving forward. He'd been preaching uh, for a long time to a large crowd. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I have to do public speaking afterwards, I'm pretty tired. 
Um, this, is, this is the way I've been almost my entire ministry so far, is after I get done with church, I normally go home, I have something to eat, and then I sleep for two to three hours. Amen. There we go. Someone else as well. Because uh, I, I know this is going to, to really surprise you all. I'm an introvert, and I don't like public speaking. I don't like speaking in front of crowds of people. Um, for some reason, it is something that God called me to do, even though it's something I don't like to do. In many ways, when I read the story of Moses in, in the book of Exodus, uh, I, I, I can really sympathize with Moses. When, God's, when, when he says to God, God, I don't like speaking to people. I don't like speaking in front of large crowds. Why are you going to make me do it? Uh, I don't speak pretty. And God obviously then gives him his, his brother, Moses, uh, brother Aaron uh, to be his spokesperson for him. I wasn't blessed with a brother. I was blessed with a sister, and so I have to do the speaking myself. Uh, but after I speak, I'm exhausted, and I need a nap. Jesus is being, uh, for lack of a better word, hounded day in, day out. Uh, people are uh, catching on that he's the Messiah. They're catching on that he's doing miracles. He's healing people. He's restoring people. He's casting out demons. People are seeing again hands of being uh, unwithered in synagogues. And so people are coming to him, wanting to hear him preach, wanting to hear his opinion, wanting to hear him talk. Uh, the Pharisees, we already know, are trying to catch him out and try and trick him so that they can arrest him. Um, um, it's just uh, exhausting. And so what happens is uh, after he'd been preaching for a large uh, time, Jesus is actually going to take a little bit of time. He's going to get into a boat. He's going to snuggle up in the stern of the boat, and the boat's going to travel across uh, the Sea of Galilee or, or the Lake Galilee, uh, and Jesus is going to take himself a little nap. Sometimes in your life, in your Christian walk, you get to a point where you're so exhausted that you can't actually be a help to anyone. And it is all right. In fact, if you actually want to be like Jesus, it's okay to take time to take a nap. Not during the sermon, in case you're wondering. After the sermon, thank you very much. But, but Jesus takes time. This isn't the only place where he does it. There are times all through Scripture where it says that Jesus went away to a solitary place to pray. He went away by himself to take time for himself. Sometimes the best thing that you can do for your ministry, for the thing that Jesus has called you to do, is to take a step back by yourself, seek God, and refresh yourself. And so Jesus here is taking just a little bit of time, and he's going to take a little bit of a nap. And this is, this is what Scripture tells us. Uh, oh, uh, uh, so, I, so you get the mental picture. When, you, when you're thinking about this Scripture, so you get a mental picture, uh, the boat that Jesus was in wasn't a, a, a little dinghy, just, just for reference. Uh, uh, the estimate is this boat would have been around 26 feet long and about 8 feet wide. So this is a long boat. This is a, a professional boat. It would have had uh, a sail as well as oars in case the wind wasn't blowing. Uh, uh, two on each side, so you would have had a total of four people rowing. Uh, but this is, a, this is a large-ish boat. And I think some of the times when we, we look at this story, we see it in the Sunday school books, you see this tiny, tiny little boat, and you're like, yeah, of course they're scared that that thing's going to go under. But this is actually quite a large Boat, And this is what the scripture says. Uh, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat uh, was filling. Did it work? Oh, there we go. So uh, the Sea of Galilee 
is almost uh, 700 feet below sea level. And what would happen is it was uh, on several sides of it, it was, had large mountains or, or valley ranges, sorry, uh, hill ranges. And what it would do is uh, very frequently and very suddenly, uh, the wind would just come through there and whip up a massive storm uh, to the point where even uh, hardened fishermen, uh, people who did this professionally, uh, would be scared of, of when this happened. Uh, even skilled sailors knew that this meant trouble. Uh, have you ever been on a, a boat that's being tossed around? Uh, I've got to tell you a little bit of story. In, a, in our last appointment uh, in Bellingham, we actually had a camp. It was Camp Lummy. It was on an island. And there was this uh, tiny little ferry that you had to, to get to the camp. You needed to go on this. It was uh, small in as much as I think it could take some 20 boats at a time, uh, give or take, uh, and if there was a large truck on there, it was even less. And uh, it, was, it was crossing the Puget Sound, and, and it was only about a five-minute five trip. It, w- it wasn't very long. But one of the, f- the first experiences I had going out to this camp was the, uh, there was a storm on the water, and the, the ferry was going... And I had one of those moments. Maybe you've had one, maybe you've hadn't. But it's that moment right before you think something's about to happen when you're like... Jesus, is this, if this is it, um, make it quick. Because I don't want to drown. I don't want to die. We may, obviously, spoiler alert, we made it to the camp. We made it back fine. I'm here. But I'm not a skilled sailor by any stretch of the imagination. And I can imagine maybe the terror of this. You, you, you set out on a beautiful day and you just, you're gliding across this lake and then all of a sudden this storm just arises. This storm just comes up. And I want you just to look at this. I know uh, a lot of times we look at this story and it's, it's a way of showing how uh, the disciples didn't have faith yet in Jesus. But I just want to uh, have a look at this from the disciples' point of view for just a second. Um, Jesus boards the boat. He goes to the stern or the back of the boat. He puts up a pillow and he lays down and he's out. He falls asleep. So at that point, Jesus is the leader. So it's then up to the disciples to make the decisions. Who's going to be the rower? Who's, let's put, you know, John and, John and James, they can, they can row. Like, put them on the, whatever. Let's take Peter at the, the front of the boat um, because he's the one. If you know Peter, you know that he was at the front of the boat, right? Can we be honest about that? Peter was, Peter was sort of the... The other one in charge when Jesus wasn't around. So, just, so Peter has to be here at the, at the front of the boat. And some of the other disciples are rowing. And so they start rowing out across this sea. And all of a sudden this violent storm comes in. Even though this is not a small boat, it says that the waves start going into the boat. They're coming over the side. You've got to imagine this boat is rocking. And you have to imagine poor Peter is up the front here having that exact same moment saying, Oh Lord, if I'm going to die, let's make this quick not realizing that the Savior is in the back of the boat. Sometimes in our lives, we forget that the Savior is in the back of the boat. It says this in verse 38, but he, meaning Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? (laughs) Jesus was asleep in the boat in the storm. We'll get back to that in just one second. Because sometimes, from the point of view of the disciples, it feels like God is not present. 
There are some times when you're in the midst of the storm when it feels very much like God is not there with you. Now, now notice that I said it feels like. Not that God is not, but that it feels like God is not. Sometimes when you are being rocked by the waves of the world pushing you to and fro and you don't know whether or not this is it, this is the moment that it all ends, sometimes it feels like God is not present. And what we know from this story is that God is present. In fact, he's in the boat with you. He's not some ethereal maybe person in the sky that we don't that doesn't really care about us is is maybe whatever. He's in the boat with the disciples. And in our lives, I think sometimes we often forget that Jesus said to us that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. That Jesus is going to be with us, that he gave us his Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts. That God isn't separated from us, he is with us in the boat. It doesn't make being in the boat any... It does make it easier, but it doesn't make it easier. Do you know what I mean? When I say that, uh, sometimes knowing that Jesus in the boat doesn't make it as easy as we would like it to be. Because the boat is still rocking. The boat is still taking on water over the sides. And yet, we know that if we trust in Jesus, everything's going to be okay. And this is verse 39. When Jesus awoke, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice the word rebuke. This is, again, a very harsh word that Jesus uses. Now, what we've been looking at in all the stories so far, that Jesus has gotten a little bit upset over things that maybe we, we didn't think. And, and what I believe very strongly is that Jesus was a little bit cranky because he was woken up from his nap. Listen. I love you all, but if I'm napping and someone comes in and wakes me up in the middle of it, I'm going to be a little bit cranky, right? Jesus, being fully human, might have been a little bit cranky because they woke him up from his nap. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Again, imagining that you're the disciples, can you imagine what it would feel like for Jesus to come to you look you in the face and say, have you still no faith? Like, I don't know, uh, chronologically, Mark uh, Mark doesn't tell us a lot like this many days has passed, this many whatever passed. Um, Chronologically, I don't know how long these disciples had been with Jesus, but they had been with Jesus long enough just in the Gospel of Mark to understand and witness and see that Jesus had cast out demons, he'd healed people, uh, he was teaching in great number and and teaching with power, he'd gone into synagogues and he was teaching uh, with the power of of a teacher that people had never seen before, he had gone into the synagogues and he was healing people uh, with deformities, he was uh, doing all this stuff, there was so much physical evidence that these disciples who were with him day in, day out, uh, they, they lived their entire lives together, they ate every meal together, um, they camped together, they did everything together, uh, but it was even in this, they still didn't have the faith that Jesus expected them to have at this point. He said to them, why are you so afraid? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Now there's a couple of things that we're going we're gonna to close our time just 
three sort of short points that we're going to close our time together after we've looked at this story. Uh, the first is that you need to know that uh, perhaps Mark is actually tells us the story of, of Jesus sleeping uh, really to link it to the account found in the book of Jonah. Uh, if you remember from your Sunday school, Jonah is a prophet of God. He's a guy who God called him to go to a certain place, and Jonah said, uh, no, I'm not doing that. In fact, he boards a boat and he starts heading in the opposite direction. And in order to get his attention, uh, God sends a massive storm to the ship where Jonah is. And when that storm hits, do you know where Jonah is? He's asleep on a cushion in the stern of the ship. And so very perhaps, Mark is telling us this story, remembering that Mark is writing this down from the point of view of Peter so that uh, uh, we can link our sort of our, our understanding that this really is part of the story of Jonah. Uh, it, it also shares similar uh, elements. If you were to read the, the Greek translation of the book of Jonah, some of the, the, the uh, words used in Jonah as well as in Mark are, are almost identical, uh, like when Jesus says, do not be afraid, and, and, and certain things like that. And so I, I actually believe that... Uh, I skipped over this. That's okay. One of, the, one of the main characters sleeping in the bottom of the boat during the storm. Um, to try and show us that Jesus, who is in a boat going to a place to preach God, uh, the salvation that comes from God, the same charge that Jonah had, uh, Jesus was doing the correct thing. He was following the will of God, and yet the storm still came. Did you notice that? See, in the story of Jonah, the storm was sent by God to redirect the boat and to get Jonah to where he needed to go to fulfill the will of God. But in the story that Mark tells, Jesus is already on his way to fulfill the will of God. So why is there a storm? Maybe to show us that even when you are doing everything that God wants you to do, there is still going to be a storm but also to remind you that even in that storm, Jesus is still in the boat with you. It also shows us that Jesus is fully human. This is the second point. So if you're taking notes, you're an A-type personality, go ahead, this is the second point. The first one is that Mark wanted to link it to the, the story of Jonah. The second point is this, that Jesus is fully human. Jesus is tired. Jesus has just had a long day preaching, teaching, healing, feeding people, doing ministry, doing everything that he's supposed to do, and yet he is tired. And everybody wants something from him. Have you ever been in that situation where you walk into a room and it just feels like everyone wants something from you? Everyone there wants, to, to, wants a, a little bit of peace of you. Have you ever had the, those sorts of feelings? Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe whatever it is, your, your context, your situation. But there are times in our lives when you walk into a room and it feels like everyone wants something from you. Jesus had just finished dealing with a whole bunch of people. And I have to believe that in his humanity, he was tired. And so Mark shows us this story to show us that Jesus is fully human. Though Jesus is human, he also has full confidence in his divine identity. 
Uh, and so this is going to be the third part that Jesus, he shows us this to show us that Jesus is also fully God, fully human and fully God. Uh, he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. No one but God can control the elements. It would be nice. Like the other morning when I woke up and I looked out the window and there was snow on the ground. Where did this come from? And then, you know, wait five minutes and it was gone. It would be nice sometimes to control the weather. I myself like it when it's in between 65 and 72 degrees. If you were to ask my wife, she would say she likes it when it's between 50 degrees and 55 degrees. Can you imagine the battle in our house over the thermostat? Now, here's what she doesn't know. I have an app on my phone that controls the thermostat, so even if she does anything to it, I can hit a button and it fixes it. Secret time, don't tell anyone. Jesus is only the second person in the Trinity can calm the storm. Jesus sleeps like a baby amid the chaos, secure in the realization that he is uh, one with the Creator and his time has not yet come. Jesus knows that he hasn't yet fulfilled the mission that the Father has sent him, and so he knows that the storm isn't going to sink the boat because he knows that he's not yet done. And I've got to tell you guys, God's not done with you yet. So you don't have to be as afraid as you think you need to be afraid. What you need to do is trust in Jesus just a little bit more. And I say that, I don't say that lightly. I don't know your personal situations. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the level of trust that you have in Jesus. But I know because we're all human that all of us can afford to trust in Jesus just a little bit more. Mark tells us this story to show us that Jesus is fully human as well as fully divine. Jesus sleeps. His sleep signals divine insight. Uh, Jesus knows that he's not going to die tonight. Jesus knows that. And here's what's interesting. All these three sort of explanations all happen at the same time because human language in the hands of a skilled author can convey multiple meanings at multiple times. The skilled author here is not Mark. The skilled author here is not Peter, who is dictating this story. The skilled author here is the Holy Spirit, who inspired these men to write these stories down. And I wanted to put this in simply for this one reason. A lot of times in the church... There is division because one person on this side believes Scripture says and means this, and over on this side, some, peop- some person me- uh, thinks that Scripture means the exact same Scripture says and means something completely different. And rather than understanding that we have uh, an intricate Holy Spirit who dictated this, and it could be both, sometimes we have the or mentality. It has to be one or the other. I have to be right or you have to be wrong. It can't be both. And there are too many divisions within the church as an as a organization, as a body of Christ. There are too many divisions that do not need to, be, need to be there if we can simply come to the understanding that sometimes in Scripture there are uh, multiple meanings to a Scripture. And, and 
I think if we were actually to take an honest look of us, anyone who's been on the Christian path for a certain amount of time can actually see this in our own lives. What we look at is, is uh, and Paul describes it very accurately, he says, when you were a baby, you drank milk, but now that you're no longer a baby, you need to transition to human food. It's, it's very much in the same vein. When you're a new Christian, you can open up a story in the Bible, and you can read it, and the Holy Spirit can impart to you a wisdom that is perfect for you right there, right then, that is going to get you through the storm. And then in five years' time, after you've read through the Bible a couple of times, and you get to the exact same verse, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal something to you that is completely different in the exact same verse. The Bible hasn't changed. You have. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. And so this particular passage in the Gospel of Mark is a perfect example of this, that it can mean multiple things just through one reading. Is he invoking Jonah? Yes. Is he invoking the humanness of Jesus? Yes. Is he invoking the divinity of Jesus? Absolutely. All at the same time. Ultimately, if you were to take my one big idea, my one, when reading through the scripture, the one thing that I want to take away personally, it's just simply this. Jesus is with you. There are times in our life when it feels like Jesus is far away, where it feels like Jesus has abandoned us, where it feels like he's not helping us in the situation. It feels like we're in the boat In the storm, the water's coming in over the side, the wind is about to take down the mast, it's all about to go down. That your, whatever situation is, is about to hit that pinnacle, that peak of, this is bad. And even in those situations, Jesus is with you. See, I wonder for Peter, who's in the front of the boat over here, he's looking in this direction, where's Jesus? He's in the back of the boat. If Peter's looking this way, he can't see Jesus because he's looking, his perspective is different than what it should be. Jesus is with you. And here's the thing that I really want you to know. Jesus has never left you. It feels like it sometimes. But I'm telling you, if you take time Step away, pray, seek the will and face of God. I believe that God will impart to you the peace that passes all understanding in the knowledge that Jesus has never left you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you've allowed us to come into your house and to worship you. I pray, Lord God, that you be with each one of us, that you open our hearts and our minds to this message. That you help each one of us to understand that you have never, ever left us. That you've always been with us. And in the times, Lord, when it feels like the boat that we're in is sinking, that we can understand, Lord, you've always been in the back of the boat. You've always been there. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your son's precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to close uh, with our benediction.